Welcome to Droughtcast, the podcast that keeps you informed about the drought situation across England and Wales. We look at what drought means for people and the environment. This is brought to you by the Consumer Council for Water. My name is Karen Gibbs. It's the 27th of November 2023. Coming up on this edition of Droughtcast, we will be joined by Affinity Waters Asset Strategy and Capital Delivery Director Steve Plum for a reflection on how Affinity Water dealt with the water resources situation this year and also their plans for the future. And after that, we will be welcoming back Lead of Hydrological Status and Reporting Group at the UK Centre for Ecology and Hydrology, Jamie Hannaford, who will be discussing the latest hydrological outlook. However, before we get to the guests, it will not have escaped your attention that it has been very wet this year, and particularly this autumn, with three named storms hitting the UK in close succession. While this has helped to restore depleted water resources following the record-breaking hot, dry summer of last year, it has also led to extensive flooding in some parts. These extreme shifts in weather patterns being another demonstration of climate change. Given there is no longer any immediate threat of drought, we have decided to halt drought cast for the time being, but will return when the need arises. Now, without further ado, let's delve into our first guest. Here's Tom Quee in conversation with Steve Plum at Affinity Water. Okay, so it's great to be joined now by Steve Plum, who is Asset Strategy and Capital Delivery Director at Affinity Water. Steve, welcome to Droughtcast. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. So how has 2023 been for Affinity Water in terms of the water resource situation? I mean, have you looked out the window? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been wet, Tom. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a real contrast. You know, uh, this time last year, you know, we had a very hot summer. It had been very dry. We had very high demand and, and very little rainfall, and we were we were sitting at this point praying for a wet winter. Um, well, we got our wet winter, uh, and then we got a wet spring and a, and a wet summer, and we're having a wet autumn. So, now it's we're in a, we're in a very different position now. You know, so, you know, so people will know perhaps you know we get sixty percent of our water from groundwater. You know, it comes it comes out of the aquifer. We pump it from below ground. And a drought for us is is about is about groundwater levels. So you know we we monitor that you know every day at a, at a number of observation boreholes across our patch. And you know as we sit here today, we're in really good shape. You know, um, you know ground you know, it's been above average rainfall. The groundwater levels are above where we'd normally expect them to be for this time of year. And you know as we forecast forward as we do, you know under all the scenarios where we forecast forward, that means that. Now, we are really unlikely to have to impose any sort of restriction next year, um, certainly you know, from, our, from our groundwater sources. So, you know, we're in, we're, in a, we're in a great place. It's, you know, I've been in the water industry a long time and, um, you know, we like this sort of steady, persistent, wet weather. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we've had. So you're saying 2024, you know, touch wood is looking fairly hopeful in your patch. Yeah, very much so. You know, we we do we do you know, we do modelling as you expect. You know, we know how how, how demand how weather affects demand, and and we forecast different weather scenarios out out into the future. And you know, it's you know, and even at you know things like 60% of long-term average rainfall, and that's you know that's that's very very low. You know, that's that's really unusual to get that sort of that sort of low level of rainfall over over a prolonged period, even at that level of rainfall, you know, we're not, you know, we the models suggest that we're not going to reach levels where we'd have to impose any sort of restriction. So you know, it's, it's really positive. 
you know, and, and you know, and that's 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 pretty typical. What's you know what what we always say is you know we have to have two bad two bad winters mm. to get into real trouble, um, and you know we've not had that, and that's that's a real contrast to some of our you know peer organisations where they're much more reliant on river flows and and reservoir levels. You know they tend to be you know much spikier. That they they react to rain much quicker, but they also you know they deplete much quicker. Um, you know we're we're in this very fortunate position of of taking a lot of our water from the ground, and there's this you know as long as as long as we can maintain levels there, we're in a good shape. And you know one of the things that we're so passionate about here at Droughtcast is saving water, the, the small things that you can do. And just looking on your site earlier, your Save Our Streams page was very interesting, where the customer average customer in your area uses around 157 liters per day compared to the national of 145. Can you just talk a little bit about what Affinity Water is doing to encourage people to lessen their water use in general? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's, a, that's an area where we've got some work to do. Mm. Got some of the highest you know, per capita consumption um, across, across the country. And you know, Save Our Streams is, is, is really key to us. You know, it's really key to us. It's about you know, working with our customers. You know, we can't force anyone to use less water, but we can encourage customers to use less water. And, and Save Our Streams has been our, has been our sort of media campaign for, for two or three years now. And it involves, you know, really educating people about not only you know, the link between the water they use and the environment, and there is a, you know, there is a very direct link between the water they use and, and you know, water that's in the ground, but also the water's in these, you know, these very valuable chalk streams that are in our region. Um, so, you know, making that link for customers so they understand the impact. But then, you know, helping them, you know, what can they do that's practical to help them reduce their water consumption on a daily basis? And, you know, simple things like turning taps off when, you know, when you brush your teeth, it's all shorter showers that we know about mm-hmm. using water butts, not using your hose in the garden, all those, all those very sensible things that, that some, you know, sometimes in this country we forget about. And, you know, Save Our Streams is, is, is our is our route to to get customers to do to do more of that, and we've had you know over two hundred thousand people sign up to that sign up to that website now, and you know we we can actually measure their meter meter consumption before they've signed up and their meter consumption after, and it you know it does appear that they're using less water. Um, it, 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 I mean it's quite difficult to compare at the moment. If I'm honest, you know we had a really dry year last year with high demand, and you know where people were using a lot of water, we've used a lot less water this year. But it's been a lot wetter. You know, people haven't had to water their gardens to the same extent. So, you know, there's some normalisation we need to do there. Yeah, you know, we do recognise we've still got work to do, and we also recognise we need to do our part. Mm. So, you know, when we talk to customers about, you know, please use less water, they say, well, please leak less water. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we've, we've taken that on the chin. Um, you know, we in the last regulatory period up to some 2015 to 2020, we we delivered a 15 percent reduction in leakage, and that was that was one of the biggest in the in the industry. This year, we, this time, so 2020 to 2025, we've committed to reduce by 20 percent. And I'm I'm you know we had a couple of rough years at the beginning, but I'm really pleased to say that as we sit here today, you know, at the end of last year, we delivered the biggest saving against that in across the whole industry, um, and that was you know so just over 15 percent. And we're and we're you know confident that we're going to deliver that twenty percent. So yeah, we are doing our part, but you know we do need to do more with with the household customers, and also we need to do more with business customers. 
and, and looking forward, you know, particularly into the next period, we, you know, we're going to have a target to to help our business customers to use less water as well, because we, you know, we very often see for them, you know, water is an essential commodity, and they need a lot of it for their processes and their businesses, but they don't necessarily take great care of it and optimise their use of it. So we, we're going to do more there as well. Brilliant. Well, Steve Plum, Affinity Water, thank you so much for coming on Stratcast. It's been great. Thank you very much for having me, Tom. Drought or no drought, there are lots of good reasons to save water all year round. And if you want some tips and motivation, then we have the perfect podcast for you. It's called Waterfall, and each week our expert guests share their insights on why we should always save water. You can get Waterfall from wherever you normally get your podcasts from. Now let's return to Tom, who sat down with Jamie Hannaford from the UK Centre for Ecology and Hydrology. So it is great once again to be joined by good friend of the show, regular of the show at this point, Jamie Hannaford, who is a leader for the Hydrological Status and Reporting Group at the Centre for Ecology and Hydrology. Jamie, how's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. And uh, yeah, good, good to be back uh, on Droughtcast, Tom. We're obviously going to speak about drought, but I'm sure a lot of people might be scratching their heads slightly, you know, where we are at the time of year. The weather's that ha- the weather that's been happening, and you know, we said in the last episode about you know, we joked about it being called floodcast, and that seems to have came true in a certain sense. There seem to have been quite a lot of serious events, severe events in terms of weather and flooding, right? Recently, that's right. I, last time when we spoke, we we highlighted the potential for flooding, um, given the sort of relatively wet conditions uh, up until early October, and and in fact, it's been an exceptional month. And we've just just published the hydrological summary. Uh, which people, uh, listeners can go on and, and, and look at, which reviewed the, the, the rainfall river flows in October and puts them in, in context. And I mean, it's very much fair to say that October was exceptional. It was exceptionally wet. And as you say, there was, there was some very severe flooding around various parts of the country. And we can, I mean, I'll give you a few, um, yeah. highlights from the hydro summer, if you like. I think it's worth yeah. saying, Carla, that obviously it's, uh, um, the flooding had some very serious consequences, and there were several fatalities associated with the flooding. And, um, and certainly in the summary, we highlight that there were reports that over 1,200 homes flooded in, in England alone, and many flooded in uh, up in northeast Scotland as well. So it really was severe and obviously had huge impacts on lives and livelihoods of, of many people. So from the hydrogen summary, we, we, we highlighted, for example, the exceptional rainfall. So it was the sixth wettest October since 1890. So, you know, really, really wet month. But within the month, a lot of that was concentrated in a couple of the storms that came through. So Storm Babette will be one of the names that I'm sure people will remember. Uh, in mid-month that came through and uh, many parts of Scotland, northeast Scotland and parts of, uh, parts of you know, northeast England, central England and east Anglia actually saw their average rainfall for October in only four days during that storm. So yeah, a, wet, a very wet month overall, but especially as associated with that storm, uh, Storm Babette. And that was really, I mean, there were other flood impacts throughout the month, but that was the really serious event. Um, and as a result, we saw record river flows in some rivers in Northeast Scotland, bits of Northeast England. Uh, a number of rivers saw their highest flows on record, or at least peak flows that were among the highest on record. Um, yeah, so, so we did see this sort of exceptional flood episode unfold. Um, 
And as a result, um, you know, river flows across the country. If you look at the the month as a whole, river flows across the country were for for October, you know, as you look at the whole month added together, um, the October river flows were among the highest on record for a good few catchments up in Scotland and quite a few catchments in in northeast England uh, and and east of England as well. And what does the flooding mean in terms of water resources going forward? I mean, you know, I know you can't just say, okay, we've had so much more water and it's going to lessen. That's the impact of drought. But earlier editions of Droughtcast, you know, we've been lamenting the dearth of water. And now that we've had you know so much soaked into the ground, like what does that mean in layman's terms for future drought potential? Yeah, I mean, it certainly means that uh, obviously with with having such a, a wet month, and also the the October, it's fair to say, it follows a number of wet months. In fact, mm. the uh, that really in 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 many parts of of Scotland, Northern Ireland, that July to October rainfall was is exceptional. You know, we had that extremely dry June. But for many parts of the country since then, from July until now, it's actually been very wet. And so all of that rainfall um, is, has meant that, you know, accumulated over time. That's gone. Uh, it's keeping river flows have been very high. Obviously, we've had flooding. But, you know, in general, flows over that period of time have been well above normal. And groundwater levels at the moment as well around uh, the UK as a whole are all either in the normal range or above normal. And, uh, you know, notably or exceptionally high in some cases. So what that's really saying is that, you know, if we look at the, the October picture anyway, um, then, uh, yeah, we, there's not really any sort of major concerns for water resources um, because we've had all of that rainfall. Having said that, a couple of interesting things that, that we do draw out in the summary, um, mm. the first of which is that um, one of the areas where there were sort of lingering concerns, if you like, for water resources was in East Anglia. And I think we'd highlighted in some previous episodes how... Yes. There were some some areas, some rivers and, and groundwater boreholes, or the rivers that are normally fed by groundwater in that area in the chalk. Some of those were still tracking below normal and we had some quite low flows in the summer. Well, on some of those catchments, and just give you a couple of examples, there was the um the Waveney and the Stringside in East Anglia. Some of those catchments, right up until early, late September, early October, they had below average flows. And then with this huge amount of rainfall received in October, they've seen a massive, uh, you know, really remarkable transformation. And they had peak peak river flows that were among some of the highest on record. So, you know, locally in that area in East, in, in East Anglia, all of this rainfall, whilst it's been obviously extremely um, catastrophic in places from a flooding point of view, it has certainly, you know, meant that there are not the same sort of water resources concerns now in that part of the world. The other interesting point that we write that we highlight in the summary there is that um down in the southwest where again lingering concerns over a couple of the reservoirs and so res- reservoirs down in devon and Cornwall that have actually been um below persistently below normal since the drought of summer 2022 yeah uh, interestingly the in october despite the fact it was exceptionally wet through most of the country it was actually uh, normal, really rainfall was roughly in the normal range in the west of England. And so as a result, those reservoirs are still, there's no change there, really. They're still showing, you know, persistently below normal reservoir stocks. So I think it's just worth highlighting that, that although certainly no major water resources concerns, but we've seen a bit of a transformation in East Anglia, but down in the southwest, in some of those localised areas where reservoirs were tracking below normal that still remains the case now 
But overall, nationally, reservoir stocks are well above average across the, the UK as a whole. And as I said earlier, river flows are mostly well above average and groundwater levels are certainly above average across most aquifers. You know, we're on the precipice now of 2024, which is kind of crazy to say, really, because, I mean, it's, you know, we started drought casting in the summer and now here we are. But, you know, life just moves very quickly. Like, how is 2024 looking in general for you? I know that at this point of the year, you know, you're saying before, like, very accurate forecasts you feel in terms of predicting. Yeah, that's that's right. So, as I say, the um, certainly going into the sort of the winter, so we've, you know, getting to the end of the autumn now, uh, the winter in a in sort of early December, consider the start of meteorological winter. And of course, we'll be entering the winter with, you know, very much in a surplus in terms of the amount of, um, you know, rainfall we've had and the general situation now, our rivers and groundwater. So that's a good, a good outlook for 2024 from the water resources point of view. But it is really the sort of, you know, a lot does depend on the remainder of the winter, really. Uh, because winter, as we've said before on drought cast, is the critical time of year for replenishment of our, of our reservoirs and, and groundwater. And whilst we've had all of this recent rainfall, things could change still. You know, we, although we're in a good position, if we move into a situation where we have a very, uh, dry winter, um, through the, you know, the peak winter of December, January, February, then that would certainly change the complexion. But there's nothing to suggest that is the case at the moment. Um, but it will be interesting to see over the coming weeks. Um, as you, you point out, you no, know, really when we get to this time of year is when the forecasts, the seasonal forecasts are most accurate. And the, those forecasts will be the, the outlook for December onwards will be coming out in uh, a couple of weeks time. So mm-hmm. if we really see what that says, the December outlook, I think really just see what that says for the remainder of the winter, uh, in terms of our prospects for 2024. And, you know, I mean, when we do these episodes, we're just providing a very top line description, you know, just on the surface of of these reports. Right? They're stuffed with detail. And from what I gather, people can go on to Hydro U Tuck, is that right? Dot net and they can sort of explore. Yeah, them. That's right. You can go so so for the Outlook, I mean if you search mm. for Outlook or go from the UKCH pages, you can find find the Outlook and um, that's all available. The hydrological summary that I've referred to can be very easily found as well on the CEH web pages, uh, the National Hydrological Monitoring Programme. So all of those, all that information in these reports is available. But as I've said previously, the other great thing that we um, that we increasingly uh, encourage people to look at is the water resources portal because that's actually updated on a on a daily basis. And in fact, the one thing I didn't say when we were talking about the current situation as I was mm. summary is out, I was talking about. Um, the situation mostly in October and obviously we're now on the 21st of November so people can go on and get a much more up-to-date picture looking at the at the water resources portal but as it is we finished this side of the hydrogen summit for October pointing out that we're going into November with elevated flood risk and sure enough we had another named storm storm Kieran which did cause further uh further impacts in many parts of the country in early November so I think that's just worth flagging up that people can get a um a really up-to-date picture and they can also get a really localized picture because the, the 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 portal is different from these other reports in that it is a an interactive web tool so you can go on and explore your catchment or your local area of interest and really explore the data interactively and and see what how rivers are doing and how they compare to their uh 
to their historical records. Absolutely. Well, Jamie, it's it's always a treat to have this little check in every month, ten minutes on the uh, on the weather across the country and wider. So, thanks again for your time, and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much, Tom. Yep. And with that, we conclude today's Droughtcast, and for now, the series as a whole. Be sure to go back through the archive and listen to all past episodes. But thanks again for listening.